and welcome to the We Will Nomad podcast. I'm Lisa. And I'm Andre. And together, we will nomad. Welcome to episode 53. Today we're going to be talking about how you can best enjoy local cuisine while traveling, still staying safe, and also not breaking your budget. Yes, eating is one of our favorite activities. Absolutely. <laughs> and also one of the reasons we travel. It gives us an opportunity to try local foods. And experience new things. And we always say it's a bit of a balance between trying new things and not spending too much money, especially if you're a full-time traveler. But anyway, so we're going to dive deep into how you can find good food without emptying your wallet or breaking your bank or oh, yes, ruining your trip. Because we definitely travel on a budget too. So as much as food is important to us, so equally is a budget. Yes, but before we get to that, welcome. And we would like to ask you to leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find this podcast. And you're welcome to send us a screenshot of your rating to wewillnomadpod at gmail.com with a question, which we will answer on our next episode. We look forward to hearing from you. Yes, please, don't be shy. Send us an email anyway, just so we know there's someone listening. <laughs> well, maybe we're just crazy and we're talking to ourselves and no one is listening. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, maybe it's just fun talking to ourselves. But it's normally me and you, Lisa, so... At least yeah. we're not completely crazy. We're at least talking to each other, not only ourselves. Unless we're the same person. You don't know that yet. If you listen to this podcast for the first time, we are not crazy. Or do you think we're the same person? Well, we're very good at different voices. I'll give you that. Okay, let's get into the topic of today. So it's understandable, but disappointing to sometimes see budget travelers go to new destinations and you know not experience the food that the destination has to offer just to save a little bit. So you know why go to Italy and not eat pasta? Or pizza or gelato. Oh wait, okay, we're gonna to have to get to the gelato later because this is, after all, a discussion on how not to spend too much money, but still experiencing. <laughs> or go to Japan and not even try sushi. No, it's obvious that you don't need to try every single dish, and we all have certain preferences. But I, I, I like to think that part of the reason why we travel is not just to cocoon ourselves with something familiar. There's nothing more sad in a way or disappointing to travel the world only eating hamburgers or hot dogs. Unfortunately, it is something you see and contrary to popular belief, that might not be the cheapest way to eat. It's important to be as open as possible to new ideas, but sometimes people are scared of trying anything new. And although it's not necessary to eat everything you know, in a foreign location, you should at least give it a chance. I think there's two reasons. One is to open your mind and experience new things. And the second one may be for the budget. Budget is a big part of it. After accommodation and airfare, Food is probably one of the biggest expenses for travelers. Yes. And I think we'll, we'll touch on this in a moment. You've got some numbers there we're going to share. And you know what? If you're going to be eating out two or three times a day, every day, for an extended period, it's going to be cost prohibitive for the average traveler. And if you are on a tight budget and you have to stretch it to multiple people, it's going to get even more difficult. And I think also, if you are trying to eat out and experience new things, but you want to do it in a safe way, you may feel like you need to pay for expensive restaurants. And that's the other thing that we want to touch on, is that you don't need to spend more to be able to have a good, healthy and safe alternative way of experiencing the local cuisine. That's a bit of a false sense of security. The idea is, oh, if I'm going to go to this good restaurant or well-recommended restaurant, then I'm going to protect myself from certain risks. But 
you know, you should go out for those nice meals, but don't think if you go to a restaurant and eat a local dish, it might be better quality or safer than eating that same dish on the street. And I think this is something we can definitely talk about. But I, th I think one thing we found is that depending on where we are in the world, we sort of naturally gravitate towards spending a similar percentage of our budget on food. And it depends also obviously what accommodation cost and how long we stay in a place. And we have found that, yes, yeah, some places are a lot more expensive. I remember we were in South Korea for considerable amount of time and it was quite hard to justify eating out in South Korea the, the costs are just prohibitive. Well I think what's interesting is that even though places may vary in the sense like you say in South Korea it was a lot more expensive to eat out we found ourselves self-regulating and ending up adjusting our style of eating in order to come within the same daily budget or the same daily spending even though we aren't necessarily measuring it per day and we only measure it after the fact. So if you are conscious of your budget, you just adjust the way that you do things, but you can still experience local food, even if you don't eat out. I, I think before we tell you how to eat cheap around the world, there's some other resources we have available, which you can have a look at. Uh, we've got some previous podcasts specifically about Malaysian food. I think it was episode 51 and episode 52 was about Indonesian food. And we sort of speak about our experience of how we found it and what we enjoyed and specific dishes that stand out. And if you are like me and you eat with your eyes too, you can check out our YouTube channel where you can see us exploring so many local markets and eating out and trying all sorts of interesting and varied cuisines. Yes, uh, on our YouTube channel, if you don't know, you can find the link to our YouTube channel on our website. And obviously our website is www.wemiltnomad.com or you can go to youtube.com forward slash Andre and Lisa and you'll find a bunch of interesting related videos. Most of them dealing with Asian food, Mostly I think. Asian yeah, food, we did yep. some in Langkawi, we visited the night market. Penang, we ate as many desserts as we possibly could. <laughs> exactly. And uh, there's a number we did even in Korea. We did a number of Korean um, street food night markets, markets, night markets. Taiwan, we visited a lot of night markets. I think we did two separate videos just on Ludong night market, which is a very well-known market. And uh, we also visited Kota Kinabalu in the north of Borneo. Malaysia, Borneo, and I think there was one video specifically about how expensive is local food in Indonesia and sort of show the local dishes and we give you an idea of what it costs. Well, there's absolutely no shortage of watching us eat no. good dishes and some terrible dishes. Yes, exactly. And don't forget the spicy dishes. Yeah. And we have quite a lot of blog posts on our website as well. We've got Indonesia, where now to eat like a local, uh, very popular specialities of Cambodia actually, and also food of the Philippines and Indonesia. Just go check it out, do a search on the blog or go to the country pages. And before we jump into this discussion, let me just tell you guys about something else we've been working on. It is also available on our website. It's called Where to Travel Next. And we spent our pandemic <laughs> developing this little tool to make it easier for you to find that next fantastic destination. And the idea is that you can type in your little parameters and requirements, where you're from, what's your budget, what kind of weather or activity do you prefer, uh, do you mind paying for a visa, or maybe there's a COVID ban and you, you're prohibited from going there. Uh, what, what, what's your budget, what type and of traveler you are. Whether you're concerned about some health risks, anything like that. For sure, or is there certain safety uh, rating requirements determined by your country of origin? 
you can choose the month of travel, etc. Or your region. There's so much stuff I don't even know where to start. The whole idea is that you can find a destination that's best suited to your preferences and your requirements for either a holiday or if you're looking at full-time travel and you're moving on from month to month and you're looking for destinations that can follow each other in a sensible order that are nearby each other. And I've just had a thought. As we keep working on this from month to month, every time we keep adding something new. And perhaps the new thing should be, do you want to travel for food? We no. do not yet have that in the folder. Wow, that's a tough one because it's, you know, people have so many different preferences, which is, which is great. But maybe before you step off this where to travel next, we've also just recently built in the functionality to save your searches. So you can set your filter and all you have to do is just create a free account on our website and save it to your account and you can return to it or you can share it with your friends and we encourage you to make use of it because we put a lot of work and it's an ongoing concern and give us some feedback if you yeah, like. Yeah, we would love to know. Would you yeah. like a food filter? What other kind of filters would you like? What do you what like about handy? it and what else could we add to it to make it better? Because we are committed to making this the world's best and most flexible <laughs> travel filter tool. Well, look, if nobody uses it, we use it. So are we ready to dive into this food thing? Oh yes, I'm getting okay. angry just thinking about it. So let's just put this on the table. Now many travelers have some valid concerns when it comes to food when they travel. Firstly, it can be expensive. Secondly, people have dietary concerns. You know, maybe you're a vegan or vegetarian or maybe you're allergic to something. If you eat out every day, your food budget will be astronomical. So you've got to find a way to balance these things. I mean, you can, you can assert to your aversion to spicy food and, <laughs> you know, the fear of getting that uh, travel belly situation. <laughs> Daily belly, wherever Daily you belly. are. I like your, I recall, a, not that many. Actually, we've been very lucky, but I recall the odd instance, specifically a dodgy martabak from a street oh, court yes. in, somewhere in Bali, was it? Which affected me terribly, and yet you were perfectly fine. I think you just ate too much. I think I just ate too fast. And too much. Maybe. <laughs> and you maybe had some martabak monies as dessert and that just pushed you over the edge. I think there was definitely some other combination of just too many things. And I think it was also a really, really hot day. I think I might have hot. overheated Maybe as you well. were a bit dehydrated. But the truth is that we really enjoy experimenting with food and we like to do that in a local way, also to be able to do it within our budget. But we are still very conscious of wanting to be safe. So we're not reckless when it comes to just trying and eating everything. No. And yet, compared to some other travelers, we might seem very adventurous when you see where we do eat. But if you are aware of it, the point is that you can do it safely. In all our years of travel, I can honestly remember, I think it's that one instance in Indonesia with the martabak, and there was one other time hey, ever in Namibia where we ate at a restaurant, and well, I also got violent ill. I think it was chili or something that, you, that yes. got you. Uh, it's interesting how we get affected differently. But let's not forget our non pen experience. Oh yes, I was just going to say, that was your one. <laughs> no, we still can't pinpoint this because we ate exactly the same. We literally I, ordered pizzas and we shared beers. It was so strange. I got so ill. I could literally not sit up or stand up for two days. You were ill for two days. Oh man, I was so bad. And was I was horrible. perfectly fine. Thank and heavens it always affects us independently. No, the it would one be terrible least, to both be down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, it's horrid, guys. Horrid. Horrid. Bye again. I don't want to put you off this. So, you know, as we travel full time, if you guys are listening to this, if you don't know, we travel full time now. Well, we try to. COVID, well, <laughs> COVID permitting. <laughs> when COVID allows yeah, we, us to travel. We tend to mix up how long we spend in destinations. And this normally determines how much we will eat out. Uh, because, you know, if you're in a place for a while, it's actually quite nice to just for a change, cook yourself a simple breakfast. It's, it gets quite tedious to get up every morning and, okay, now we have to go find a cup of coffee or have to go find breakfast. 
That said, sometimes you find a place next door or nearby, which just really ticks all the boxes and we just keep going back there. And we have done that, especially in Asia where it's usually quite cheap. I think back fondly to our Cambodia stay in Batambang, where we had oh, yes. the ladies restaurant just, what, two doors down from our hotel. And it was just fantastic going to a familiar place every morning, getting a brilliant breakfast. Great value. And you know what the best part is? You sort of build a relationship with people. Experience comes to mind. We were in Taiwan and we spent a few days, maybe a week in Rufang. And right where we stayed was this local, I want to say food court Yep, a very situation. big food court. And they had these little tiny restaurants inside, more like store style restaurants. It was nice, a good variety. But we found this one guy, we ran his little restaurant and we were so taken by the variety and the quality and the attention to detail that and we just kept returning. friendliness and his passion yes. for his food and his products. I mean, it was on the very first night that we ordered a couple of dishes mm. and we sat down and we had smiled. Language was quite a challenge. Of course. But you could see that he was a friendly person. And already on that very first night, he came and he brought us an extra dish. Just to make us try something. Just to make us try something that we'd asked about, Mm. which we then didn't end up ordering. And it was fantastic. He brought us, I think it was the eggplant, was it that night? I can't remember, but I mean, Duke... To give you the whole story, we, get, we went back the next evening and it was, he was surprised to see us, but hey, why not? And then we realized uh, he kept charging us less and less for food and he kept giving us giving extras. Us more and, more. and then the third night we walked in here, he always fell on his back and he was so happy to see us. And you know, it's, it's so great because he ended up coming out to our table and bringing us a drink and we, we chatted as best we could. And we sort of connected online and we still sort of connected. I will definitely make a point of going back to see this guy. Absolutely. It's such a fantastic way to connect with locals, Mm. to support the locals and to show them that when they are passionate about something and they put effort into it, it really can be appreciated. You know, so often tourists come and go. And I think that's what touched this person was the fact that it wasn't just somebody coming in, having something. It didn't matter whether the dish was good or bad because they were gone the next day. We we appreciate it. We appreciate appreciate the effort. And you know, coming back to your Batambang, lady it was the same there she was just so happy to see us we ended up renting a scooter from her in the morning she, she get, insisted on giving us some water, water in the morning. And oh, it was just so cool you feel like you learned yet to know the locals yeah, yeah and you get an opportunity to eat something prepared by a local and it's not you're not sitting in a western style restaurant but that said to make sure we can eat out when we want to without breaking the bank we had to learn how to balance eating out while still finding a way to save money so this podcast is pretty much about how do we do this. So we're going to go through a few points or ideas we'd like to share with you how you can eat well. Not always the top quality, but it's going to save you money. It's going to give you a right experience. And obviously some of these pointers are different depending on what region of the world that you're in. So very much in Europe, yes, going to a restaurant is a lot more expensive comparatively to Asia. Whereas in Asia, you might know that you can go to a restaurant quite cheaply, but you may be a lot more concerned about things like street food, which isn't necessarily available in Europe. So we'll touch on both different things, some of them which are applicable to the entire world and no matter where you are, and others that are more regionally specific, for instance, to Europe or Asia. I think that's a good point. And look, not all of Asia is cheap. You go to Japan, it's expensive. Korea, it's expensive. It's hard also to sort of get past that language barrier and can be intimidating. I, I remember when we were in Japan, in oh, Tokyo, 2005. in 2005. 
Now this is pre-smartphone days and you know the temptation is there to poke your head into a little curtain and see what's inside this restaurant but it's so intimidating in a way and I think the world has really opened up a lot more so you shouldn't be scared to to try these things. A lot easier to communicate. I, I recall an incident where we were in somewhere in the East Bali and we said you know what We've heard about this, this local guy making what they call a Balinese pizza. Oh, yes. Remember that? <laughs> Papa's but, pizza. Yeah, and we find them on Google Maps. So we thought, you know, we're just going to make our way there. It's, not, it's just a couple of blocks away. We're just going to walk there. But the sun's sort of setting. And we get to the location and Well, it there was exist. no pizza or nothing that looked <laughs> no, like someone exists. local making pizza. Yeah, but luckily... At the age of smartphones, we could sort of... Uh, I don't I think, think it was we called smartphones. Them. I think it was just no, ordinary phones. We called them, though. Yeah, we called them. And why, lo and behold, this person could sort of understand this year. Very of, little understanding. But they figured out that we were wanting to try and find the restaurant. And they asked where we were. Mm. And I kind of looked around me and I mentioned one building name that there was. There was really nothing. We were in these back alleys. Yeah, it was strange. And put down the phone and kind of realized we're not going to find this place because they were not able to give me directions from where I were. There was just not enough comprehension yeah, yeah. in the lack of language. And about five minutes later, five minutes later the scooter pulls up next to us. The guy looking around. He's like, uh, you, you, you guys looking for Papa Pizza? Papa Pizza? Papa Pizza? Yes, let's That's go us. check it out. Anyway, so and we ended up going to this place. At, it's that was the owner of the restaurant <laughs> who came. I mean, he was Papa uh, making pizzas. So he came to find us, took us to his restaurant, made us the most delicious pizza very authentic local yeah. the point is it's a lot easier nowadays easier to experiment i mean we were in taiwan i know i said we're gonna get into this list but i just want to mention we were in taiwan and it, it's hard well, to read a menu well before you get to that yes this is the comparison i wanted to make because thinking back in 2005 being in japan i remember it just being so easy when you were absolutely starving to walk into a mcdonald's as you opened that door the people behind the tools would turn over the menu to the english side <laughs> which did no english on it it just had numbers and then yes, you would point, to, point to what you wanted and you would order your mcdonald's that was the only way we could really easily order from menu and it's sad to say but how much we've progressed from then to 2019 being in taiwan not being able to read anything and using something like uh, what do we use there we, was bixby we, we translate bixby, uh, bixby no i know uh, there's a few other options i think google whatever they call Google it. Vision. Google Vision. Bixby was actually remarkable. You literally have a live translation from Chinese uh, and you can sort of read the menus. It just makes life so much easier. And okay. it worked so fantastically in Taiwan that we were able to go into the smallest little corner shop with a local menu scribbled on a blackboard, point our phone at it and have an idea of whether we were going to be getting ham, egg sort of or an idea. carrot cake. So, well, actually... <laughs> because the translations are not always great for those cake, of you. <laughs> just, just in case you don't know, if you hear about carrot cake in Taiwan. Um, it's not Western it's not carrot American cake. carrot cake. <laughs> but it's good. It is made from a root vegetable, yes, but that is a radish, not a carrot. And it's actually just more this starchy, um, sort of it's hash sweet. brown kind of sweet. thing. It's not sweet and it goes well with breakfast, but it's savory. It is not carrot cake. Okay, okay. No, no, we, this intro has been way too long. Let's get into this. So how do we balance eating out while still finding ways to save money? So the first thing is look for the right place to stay. Booking a hotel or your accommodation that offers your complimentary breakfast makes a huge difference. And it doesn't have to be a place where you just eat Western breakfast. We've actually stayed in places where we were overwhelmed by the interesting selection of local stuff. 
Like we've stayed in places in Indonesia where we were exposed to some local snacks and food, which were interesting. In fact, we made a video of one of our first uh, stays in Taipei, oh, where yes. the little hotel we stayed at had this buffet-style amazing buffet breakfast stuff, and, and most of it was foreign to us. So we did a little video just to taste it, and it's interesting. But anyway, the point is, many hotels and hostels and rentals either include a continental hot breakfast in their rates without charging more. So it does pay to look around to see what you get. Just look at the reviews so you don't end up just with a slice of toast. Oh, slice of toast. (laughs) Well, this is the thing. There's two reasons why we say that including your breakfast in your accommodation is a good thing. One is obviously often it doesn't cost you much more, so it's included in your what you would pay for your accommodation. And secondly is it gives you an opportunity to expose yourself to more local foods without having to go out there and find them. Mm. So it just gives you an opportunity to see something new and experience something different. Or you can look at it like this. I don't have to put effort in the morning. I can just grab, even if it's a slice of toast and a cup of coffee and it starts my day, but I don't have to spend money just to get my day started. Now I've got some money to go find myself a proper lunch and make that count. So the next one I want to mention is buffets. Yes, we love buffets. Look, they might not always offer the absolute best quality, but it's sure to give you a solid meal for excellent value. And I think it can be a good economical choice. And sometimes you get really lucky. You get like a hotel that includes a breakfast buffet. And I think these are our favorites. I think they were a little bit dangerous in America, <laughs> I have to say, when they constantly include pancakes and bacon yes, and syrup. But I remember we stayed in a place in Vietnam, I think it was Natrang, and they had, because we loved Vietnamese coffee. Oh, and, yes, you, know, so you could have three coffees you know, for breakfast. So many coffees. Oh, you, you walk out there with such a buzz because this Vietnamese coffee is just so addictive. So it can give you a solid start and we do prefer to get a good breakfast uh, in. So look around for those options. And in general, a buffet also just offers you more variety and the option to try something without being overly committed to that dish. I would say a buffet makes more sense if you're not going to eat three meals a day. You have to eat one meal because you might actually pay a little bit more in the big scheme of things. Your best bet is breakfast buffets in terms of value or maybe lunch times, but we're going to touch on this now. And also, if you're only spending a short period of time in a place, in a country, for instance, it's a good way to experience and try a lot of different local dishes without having to go out and eat multiple times. Okay, before we move on to look more local food, one alternative to save money is to eat fast food on the occasion. Now, we prefer not to eat fast food at chains when traveling, but sometimes a quick bite can be an absolute lifesaver. And sometimes you're in transit and you're at the airport and that... McDonald's dollar menu just saves your butt. Not only that, sometimes you need to use a restroom Mm. and then having a bite at a fast food chain, being able to use the restroom and enjoy the air conditioning for a little while. I'm thinking you're traveling around hot countries in Asia. For sure. Does make sense. Surprisingly at, uh, I think McDonald's like in Indonesia or Malaysia as well. It's like they're very comfortable inside. They've got nice booths and seats and you can have a little ice cream cone and just chill out there for a bit and people are all very relaxed. And of course, not only that, but sorry, a lot of these local chains like McDonald's, for instance, every country that you're in, they have got a country-specific item on the menu. So it's also interesting to try that, not just to go and have a Big Mac, for instance. No, no, no. If you go in there, look around, because there can be some very interesting variations of the food, you know. But I think the point is don't just stick to fast food. You know, especially in Asia, fast food can be more expensive than local food. But you trade it off with the air conditioning, I guess. (laughs) All right, so I think the next point is let's talk more about local food. 
Local food will always, always offer you better value as compared to westernized food or foreign food. So that obviously depends on where you are and how you define local and foreign. For example, sometimes it sounds tedious to have another $1 shawarma <laughs> because you know how many of those do you want? But well, the truth is if you go to different vendors, every shawarma that you have, for instance, in the United Arab Emirates or in Turkey is going to be different. Of course, I, th I think the point I'm making is it can become a bit tedious and this is a trade-off versus going and eating a pizza because a pizza, you might oh, grab a pizza or a burger because I've been eating for, for <laughs> oh, a week yes. in Vietnam. But you know what? That $1 bowl of fur is a fraction of the price of that burger. All that pizza. shawarma is going to be a $1 shawarma is going to be $6 pizza. And, and I think these are the trade-offs you've got to make. So especially if the food is not really adding value to your experience. If you're going to be eating fast food, rather eat local fast food and make it worth your while. And there are ways to mix it up. So that's the point. So let's let's duck into local food a little bit. And I think one of our favorites is street food. You know, vendors, street vendors and street food. And I think it's important to say, don't be scared of street food. A lot of people sort of shy away from it. But if you're smart about it, it can be a great alternative to restaurants. I think some of the best dishes that we've ever had while traveling have been from street vendors. And what often makes them so special is the fact that that person prepares a single dish possibly for their entire lifetime, or possibly even over generations. So that dish that you receive is made from the freshest local ingredients by a recipe that's been handed down and absolutely perfected over the years. And it's easy to know where to go. You just see where the locals line up. And it's probably the, some of the best food in the world, I agree. You know, speciality is a single dish and it will cost like a dollar at a time at most, especially in Asia, and it's a great way to experience local cuisine. You just need to be savvy about it. Use your common sense. If you find a street vendor where none of the locals are, they're all at some other store, and you can clearly see that this vendor's food has been standing out and it's got thousands of flies all over it, or it's chicken and it's late in the day, then avoid that type of street vendor. But if you follow the locals, most of the time cannot go wrong with local street food. I would go as far as to say, in many occasions having or being savvy about street food is less risky than going to a restaurant that's really got an extensive menu and they're not actually producing quality food because they're going to stock up a lot of stuff and they're going to take some shortcuts a lot of stuff going to be frozen or you're just like not going to get the product and in fact you're probably at higher risk of uh, falling ill. <laughs> That's the some... thing. One has to remember that restaurants have overheads and for that reason they can't have a lot of high waste. Whereas most of your street vendors will be making and selling their local produce and they will finish that produce every single day. Exactly. So they every day up. starts with new produce. Yeah. So these inexpensive meals and we talk about things like banh mi in Vietnam. One euro sandwiches in Italy. I know it sounds like it doesn't exist but they do exist. We've actually had one euro sandwiches in Naples if I remember correctly. And sidewalk <laughs> snacks in Malaysia it cost me a cent and usually you can have a really really good meal however you got to be careful and this is a different and next point we'll touch on careful not to snack too much <laughs> okay so yes you want to add something else one more thing to look out for when it comes to street food to be aware of one follow the locals and two look at what you're eating and how it's prepared anything that's cooked just before it's given to you, served to you, is going to be a lot safer, for instance, than a meat or a fish product that has been cooked earlier on and has simply been standing out in the sun for hours possibly on end. So if you have the choice, go for something that's been cooked right in front of you 
And I suppose in that sense also vegetarian is somewhat healthy or safer. Uh, it's hard to say. It very much depends on the food culture. I'm thinking of the Philippines, for example, where they do have sort of a style where you can find food on the street almost everywhere, but it's food that's prepared that morning. Yes. And then and it sells out that day. And it remains on the heat as but well. But it does. So it's like different dishes. And it's a very popular way of eating. And we actually had a lot of that in the Philippines. Oh, because yes. it allows you to have to try many different things. And it gives you an opportunity to sort of uh, just experiment. Because it's small, small portions. And you can just keep adding them together. So don't be scared of food that has been cooked. But just be smart about it. And you know, look at the stuff. Look at where people go. And make informed choices. Okay. Now, if you're in Europe, all of these previous points might not apply. <laughs> <laughs> but Europe need not be expensive. There are some tricks and hacks to be able to eat, not only eat cheaply in Europe, but to eat out cheaply. I think the biggest point is, look, personally, we, we prefer to start our day with a solid breakfast and skip lunch. But lunches can be a great way to cut your expenses in more than one way. Because, firstly, that could possibly be your only meal. And if you do it properly, it could be a really, really nice meal. So this could be your one nice meal. And by having it at lunchtime, you'll find that you can go to the same restaurant that you will go to for supper, but have the same dish at 40-50% less. Now, usually what they do is many restaurants, especially in Europe, obviously, offer what they call work lunch or lunch specials, where items on the dinner menu are offered at a discount. Now, sometimes the options are somewhat limited, but the savings more than justified and really gives you a chance to have that nice but still local meal. I actually like the fact that it's often a condensed menu options for lunch because like it makes it easier menu. to choose, mm. exactly. And you're getting the same quality, the same meal as you would for dinner, but at a fraction of the price. And often it also includes a drink, yes. which is, hey, what's better it's than bonus. starting to drink at lunchtime? Yes, yes. So think about it this way. If you stay in a place where you get a little bite for breakfast to keep you, get you going, and you have a lunchtime special set meal, you sort it. Well, in the evening, there's another option to just, if you want to top up, or if you are one of those guys who's not too ashamed of stuffing your face, <laughs> you can always go to places that offer aperitivos, which is very popular in Italy, but I do believe throughout a lot of other European yeah, countries as well, which is around sunset time, early evening or before dinner time. It's like just after work towards sunset in summer, it's very popular. That's right. It's sort of an hour or two hours that's set aside for actually having a cocktail or a drink, but often what's included in your drink is some free snacks which are buffet style and like I say if you're not ashamed you can really fill yourself up with a good dinner with these free okay. snacks okay, let's or just, you could just top up let's if you had a good be lunch. Clear. Uh, the being polite means every time you have a plate of snacks you should buy a drink. Yes. So don't be that guy <laughs> who keeps stacking up on food because you will depending on where you are you're going to get some dirty looks from the locals but it is a great way of having one or two drinks and having a bite even if it's not a full dinner like i say if you've had a lunch that day it's a great way to just have something else a snack of course unfortunately it's not always going to be the healthiest of meals no usually not <laughs> and this is something else we struggle with i'm just going to throw this out there and depending on where we are we, we can't live on carbs only i can't just eat pizzas and pastas and or noodles noodles or <laughs> I, so some places we really struggle to find variety and we by pure chance tend to go towards more vegetarian style meals just to try and compensate for that but it can be a challenge to eat cheaply but still very well so we'll give you a few ideas on how to deal with that but let's just nail down a few other ideas on how to save all right so firstly nobody's gonna like this 
don't snack. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's ice cream. Well, especially, especially gelatos in Italy. Well, okay, top tip. Or Ljubljana. Yeah, go to Slovenia for really good, they're not allowed to call it gelato, but really good ice cream and it's half the price than in Italy. But you know what the problem is, a small pastry or street snack, it's just like the price is so low and we often forget what a major impact these snacks has on our spending. If you just have two gelatos a day, now in our case we're two people, so I'm assuming Lisa's not going to have two. Well, oh, although, I thought I was getting the two although, gelatos. There has been days where you had more than me. So uh, <laughs> refer to our, there's a video in the, we shot in Ljubljana oh, yes. on our YouTube channel where we only taste ice cream. All day long until Look. it's dark and we literally, even me, cannot eat another ice cream. Yeah, until the next day. <laughs> but the point is, if you just have two gelatas a day, it'll add up to $100 by four weeks. Now, this is not sustainable. Mm. Firstly, not for your wallet and secondly, for your stomach. Oh, yes. Your pants, you might have to praise your clothes. Imagine how expensive that's, that's going to be. <laughs> okay, so cut, cut the snacks. Secondly, sort of in the same category, watch out for sodas and soft drinks. It's tempting when it's hot out there and you feel like, oh man, I just want a nice cold drink. But it adds up and it's the same with coffee. We actually met a wonderful couple when we were in Borneo, a budget couple once again, and they had quite a good rules. They always said that they never have a meal and a drink together. Mm. So if they sit down and they eat or they take takeaways, anything like that, they enjoy the meal but without spending money on a drink. And if they want to go, for instance, I mean many places have incredible fruit smoothies or things like that. If that's what they're out to enjoy, then they enjoy the drink alone and not have it with a meal. And I think that's quite a smart tip to be able to save money. I'm always surprised at how much cheaper it is if you don't have a drink with your meal. And in places like Malaysia and Indonesia where alcohol, although relatively speaking is cheap compared to what you might pay for in, in the West, it's still proportionally a huge cost compared to what the local food costs. You can literally have two meals for the price of one beer. This is the thing, adding drinks to your meal can more than double your spending on food. So this is a really easy way to cut non-essential spending and, and save, you know, put that saving towards quality food. I know it's tough, but alcohol is a budget killer of note. You know? And it's tricky to balance if you're in an exotic location. And I think if you go away, you travel for a week or 10 days, and you'll feel like, oh, I'm kicking back and I'm enjoying myself, great. But we found that we really gotta be watchful because we can't treat every day like a vacation. If you're a full-time traveler, it's a fine balance between uh, living a healthy, balanced life and not spending too much. I mean, I, I see it now. We sort of, I, don't, I use air quotes when I say stuck where we are right now due to COVID. And we do tend to consume more alcohol as a result because we don't travel and we, you know, every day is just a, oh, well, let's just kick back, have a drink. But it's going to cost you. So if you travel... Have that one beer, but don't go for the cocktails and the shooters afterwards. Well, that's the thing. That's what I wanted to say is if you're on a vacation for, it's one thing if you're traveling long term, you really need to look at your consumption of alcohol. But if you're on a short term vacation, look at what alcohol you consume, because you can mm -hmm. usually get the local, whether be it's a draft beer or a local spirit or mm -hmm. anything that's drunk there for a fraction of the price of your idea of a cocktail or your specific, you want a margarita. It's really expensive. It's really expensive to drink cocktails and shots comparatively to yeah. what the locals are drinking. Some, so, I mean, some obviously customs have a, a, a nice culture, like in Vietnam, there's a beer culture. Where your beer is cheaper than water. I mean, it then, is, hey, go ahead, is. drink beer. <laughs> yes, of course. But once again, just remember, it's, it's a slippery slope because when, once you start drinking, you might lose some control over your other spendings and you might end up <laughs> stuffing your face with some bad food McDonald's at 2am or something like that. So this brings us to what's the alternative. Now what we do is we carry refillable water bottles. Firstly, 
buying water daily is just insane. You know, it's not only terrible to be part of the, so much plastic consumption. It really doesn't make sense if you're traveling on a tight budget. Just think about it. If you're buying three bottles of water a day, which is not a lot, and you're only paying, say, 75 cents US for it, it adds up to over $60 after four weeks. And that's a lot to spend on water. And water is important. It is important to stay hydrated, particularly when you travel and particularly when you're in hot destinations. So that's why having a refillable water bottle, particularly in countries where there is good potable water, really saves you a lot. And then in other countries, when the water is not potable, we carry around a water filter. I think it was quite interesting that a lot of the time when you ask for water, somebody will give you filtered water, especially in Asia. It's quite common, like uh, a place like Taiwan, there's a lot of the accommodation, there will be filtered water available for free. And, and that's, that's quite nice. So that's your first point of call. Like you said, a water filter does open up other opportunities. And we're a big fan. We actually carry a Survival Water Filter Pro. It's a pump action filter. And we're quite fond of it. It's pretty compact and it can produce about half a liter of water a minute. It's manual, so you need to put some effort in. But the filters lost 10,000 liters. I mean, we've traveled a whole year. We didn't make a dent in it. But it really did not only save us money, but also made it a lot more convenient to be able to always filter our own water and fill our own water bottles. Yes, normally what we do is before we get going in the morning, we'll take turns and we'll, if we have a few empty bottles, we'll just, you know, if you've got a little fridge in your room, it's even better. So we empty some, some bottles and we pump them for the day and we have our five or six or seven liters of water and it's just beautiful. But you can also get something like a live straw, but I think the pump action ones really work well. So I think we sort of covered ways to save money and the last big one that I can think of, no, actually there's a few more. I'm sure Lisa's also got a few in her pocket, but cooking your own food. All right. And I think when we talk about cooking your own food here, what's important to note is that, yes, there are times when you just feel like something of comfort, but cooking your own food can also in itself be an experience and an experiment with the local ingredients. So for us, we really enjoy walking through a supermarket for the first time in a new country and looking at various ingredients and then buying them, doing maybe a little bit of homework as to how they should be prepared or how you can prepare them or trying to prepare something that's similar but not quite the same as to a product that we would know. So it needn't be boring going to the supermarkets and simply buying bacon and eggs because in a lot of countries you might not even get bacon and eggs. Hell no. Well, the eggs get might be very those, different. Those chicken sausages <laughs> in Malaysia. Yes. <laughs> but often buying ingredients in a local supermarket can be just as experimenting as it is to eat out. That's a good insight. And I think, as, look, as a norm, we generally don't cook when you travel, but if we do stay in places for longer, uh, because it's got to make sense economically. No point you stay in a place for one night or two nights and you go to the supermarket and you, you want to fry yourself some eggs because it's, it's like... You need butter and oil and yeah, salt yes, and pepper and all know, of those kinds you know, of stuff. things. But if we do stay in places longer than a week, and especially if it's an apartment with some convenient facilities, we would love to get some local ingredients and at least fix ourselves breakfast. It also gives you a good start for the day. And if we, you know, we stay in places for like a month, and I think we've mentioned before, it really becomes a drag to find a meal twice a day or three times a day. It's just like the weather's bad. Maybe you just want to stay at home and get some work done. And I know in, like if you're in Asia, cooking your own meals is probably not very economical. But even so, there are options you can explore by like going to the market, get some fruit and maybe just get some 
yogurt or some whatever and just uh, cut your budget a little bit. Well, this is the thing. Depending on where you are in the world, it has different advantages. So in Asia, it might be experimenting with different things that are available in a supermarket. Whereas in Europe, it may be Western-style things in the supermarket that you're very familiar with. But also every country has its specialities and the quality of produce that you can get in a supermarket and what you can put together there, for instance, as lunch sandwiches or things like that. I remember being in Italy and making the most delicious paninis where we got the fresh bread in the supermarket, buffalo mozzarella, a little bit of prosciutto, and we could make ourselves lunch for maybe two euros compared to being able to go and eat out. And sometimes it's more convenient and you get to just sit outside, relax and eat good food at a fraction of the price. Oh, just a word of warning. Don't do this in Venice. <laughs> no, <laughs> there are places in Europe where you are not allowed to eat on the street. It's a funny thing. I mean, Venice is one that sticks out, but they frown. In fact, you're not allowed to sit down on you're any steps. Allowed. And you know, it's weird because they see day visitors as sort of an intrusion. And it's weird if you think about it, but that's the way it goes. Because people come in there and they walk around, they bring their own food and they don't even stay overnight. And then they just sit around to make a mess. But yes, we love making our own snacks. And we, we did a, a camper van trip in, in Europe in 2018. And you know, when, you ha when you're carrying your house with you, what's more convenient than having some cheese and meat and beer with you and you pull over wherever you are and it's having a picnic. Every time there's a good it's view, fantastic. you just pull over and have a bite. It's fantastic. And it affords you an opportunity to watch locals going about their daily lives. You're sort of the picnic style. So. You know, cooking your own food, combining with packing your own lunch, if you want to save it, but really, really makes sense, especially if you travel a bit slower. I think the one thing, like you say, in Venice, you aren't allowed to. So look out also for just local customs and traditions. For instance, if you are traveling in a Muslim country where it may, for instance, be Ramadan and it's frowned upon to eat on the streets at certain times of the day, or in particular tourist locations where you should not be eating in public or on the streets. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I think I've got two more. Go for it. All right. <laughs> One is look for bargains in cities and use tourism cards and perhaps apps to help you to do this. Tourist cards like iAmsterdam card is a way to save money. And normally we sort of think about transportation and attractions, but these cards usually offer good discounts at restaurants. Now, this might not be a restaurant you will go to. Now, I think we found this in the past. Typically, these restaurants are a little bit out of our budget to start with. So a discount of 20% is not going to make, make a, a difference. difference. <laughs> but sometimes lunch specials can be up there up to 50% off so if you're on an expensive place like Oslo or Amsterdam then visit the local tourist office and when you arrive and ask what food discounts are included in these uh, these tourist cards because you are going to pay for the card and maybe you can get some additional benefits and then of course like you said there's some apps I remember us using the entertainer app quite well when we were in Dubai and this also particularly works if you more than one person. If you choose, it's normally buy one meal and you get the second yeah, one free. for free. But the discounts that they were there, we ate at places we would never have eaten otherwise. Uh, for and sure. the Entertainer app is actually available for the majority of the world. And you only need to subscribe to the regions that you will be using. Yeah, you can get really good value there. Uh, look, the thing is, not like the meals are super cheap, but because you're actually effectively getting a 50% discount, it makes a difference. The last one I think I can think of is combining activities with food. Well, I think this is a really big one because it allows you to experience something while getting a food or drink experience, which you may have paid the same for without mm. the experience. So the kind of things that we're talking about here is, for instance, in Kuala Lumpur, you could pay to go up the Petronas Towers, for instance, and you could pay a fortune to have a beer. Or you can combine these two things, actually pay less than either one of those separately, go and to go heli to the heli deck, yes. which is the heli bar. You buy yourself mm. one drink, 
you get the beautiful view over the entire Kuala Lumpur. You can enjoy sunset and it's kind of like a just, two for one. Just let me mention, it will be the smallest beer at the oh, most yes. expensive price. But, you know, once again, sometimes uh, it's about the experience. It's worth it. Uh, I can think of a few other ways to do this. We were in Ljubljana, went up to, I can't remember, it's the tallest building in Ljubljana, Sky Lounge. Sky no? Lounge. And we had uh, a very local, nice dessert there one morning, I think. Can you remember the name? <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> we really butchered that. It's a seven it's layer Premushka cake. Kipanika. That's exactly what I said. Oh, okay, you got it, <laughs> nailed down. So it's a seven layer cake. And for the beautiful part is, we sat in this gorgeous setting on this roof, and it was, it was not like we paid for the setting. No, and it was a wonderful, relaxed yeah, atmosphere yeah. to try a local dish that and nice. enjoy the that local nice. atmosphere. Yeah, so especially because we went in the evenings. It really made it worthwhile. Um, other ideas I can think of is, you know, you go on these activity tours, like for example, the Philippines are huge on the island hopping tours. And you go on island hopping and they include a lunch. Great. And normally it's a great lunch. Prepared by local. Usually yes. it's actually the fisherman or the boat owner yeah. who's caught that fish himself and will prepare it for you. It's just such a great experience. So these are these are things that you can look on. Uh, if you want to spend a bit more, you can also go on food tours. Well, you can go on these walking tours, food tours, mm -hmm. which is a great way to, one, meet a local, mm. two, get a bit of sightseeing and see some local places and experience some street food, but in a safer environment. So shown to you and explained to you by a local. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously going to cost you a little bit more than just sure. going to the markets yourself and trying these foods but if that makes you feel a little bit safer and you gain something else from the experience go for it and these tours are so easy to find these days by using get your guide look the other one yeah get you guys i think it's the big ones in asia and look but you guys can head over to our website just go to the country you plan on visiting and you'll get tons of information and ideas so I think we're going to wrap this up. I think Anything before, you want to add? Yes, I'd just like to give you an idea of when we talk about budget. Obviously, on our website, wewillnomad.com, all our budget reports per country and per trip are available. So if you'd like to go and see a little bit more about how much we spend, feel free to go and have a look there. But in the most recent years, in 2018, when we traveled through Europe in a camper van, we spent a total of $22 per day for the two of us on food and drink. Now, this included... Dollars, not euros, eh? Dollars. Okay. Okay. US dollars. This included almost two gelatos a day. Oh yeah. <laughs> it see? included a lot of alcohol, red oh, wine, yes. beers, beer, wine, as well oh, as yeah. a lot of chocolates and snacks. But, 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 so but, the food portion just, of that was about back. 16 USD. Yes, yeah, so a lot of this was not restaurant food. That's right. Okay. Because we were living in a camper, but to be honest, I think we ate too much. We ate way, way too much. much. So that $22 per day, I would say for the majority of people, if you are buying your food in a supermarket and not eating out, is more than sufficient for Europe if you are able to prepare your own food. Easy. Really it is. In so fact, in you that can cut case, that by half if you ask me. Yes. Easy. <laughs> and it's not like we lived off stale bread. We ate buffalo mozzarella, prosciutto, melon. Mm -hmm. Bacon. Oh, we just ate fried eggs, so, vegetables, salads. so good. Oh, no, we, did, we ate well. So it's, it's not like we mind paying money for a good meal with a glass of wine, but doing that every day for every meal is just simply too expensive. And I think we can afford to keep our costs down while still being able to afford a quality meal every so often. I think that's the goal. That's what's really important, finding the right balance. If you can manage to balance eating great food while saving money, both your wallet and your stomach will be happy. 
And I think this is where we really got it right in Asia. So over a year in Asia, we spent an average of $14 US dollars per day between the two of us. I think and that was eating out as well as some home preparation, things like that, which contributed less than 30% of our budget. So that was 28% of our budget, 14 to 15 US dollars per day for two people. That's the way it can be done in moderation, but also really experiencing local cuisine. It's actually crazy. Uh, most people listening to this podcast probably spent $14 on a meal uh, on average. If you don't think that this is doable, mm. head over to our YouTube channel so that you can see what we mean and the amazing types of foods that you can try and experience for that budget. Yes, don't think travel is super expensive. It is within your reach and you can still eat local without breaking the bank. So we hope that we have inspired you that you don't need to be rich in order to enjoy the riches that a country has to offer when it comes to food. All right, I think that's it. Uh, so guys, thanks for listening. Head over to our website, we will know com for some more of our other content uh, we've got a page on every country we haven't visited everyone yet but we're working on building up a nice uh, set of content and it works in conjunction with our way to travel next filter obviously so i hope we help making you decide how to find that local meal and make you a bit more adventurous and i'd like to remind you once again please leave us a review or rating it really helps this podcast to grow and you can send us a screenshot of it to we will nomad pod at gmail.com with a question we'll answer that question on the next episode and if you like this check out our youtube channel go subscribe go check out our website and we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time thanks for listening okay goodbye Bye.